everyone. Welcome to the Career Medis Podcast. This is your host, Nisar Ahmad again. Uh, this is episode 81. We have today an exciting episode. If you have followed us for the previous episodes, you must have uh, heard some of the episodes from Brian Howard. He's returning us back again. Last time we spoke, I believe it is a few months back, and that was episode 64. Brian spoke about the concept of uh, over 50 and beyond. Before that, we spoke about networking. Today, we're talking about a topic that is actually timeless, resumes. And of course, something that is more timely today is LinkedIn profiles. Brian has recently released a book. It's called The Motivated Resumes and LinkedIn Profiles. And I, I think it's, it's a exciting. As you start your job search and career management in 2018, I think this would be a great resource to listen to. Brian will be sharing lots of his insights. So I'm really excited to get started on this. I'm sure you as the audience will get lots of useful nuggets from this episode. Having said that, I'd like to invite Brian. Hey, Brian, welcome back to the podcast. <laughs> Hi, Nisar. How are you? I am doing terrific. Thank you. Thank you. It's always a pleasure having you on this uh, discussions. And every time we cover one particular subject, as I was talking in the introduction, we're going to talk about resumes. Yeah, I, I'm pretty excited to get started. Yeah, let's, let's get after it. So one thing I want to ask is that there are many resume books out there. And this new book that just released November 1st, 2017, it's called Motivated Resumes and LinkedIn Profiles. Brian, what makes this book different from other resume books? The book, Motivated Resumes and LinkedIn Profiles, is unlike any resume or LinkedIn book that at least I have previously seen on the market. Now, let me get into that. One of the key differentiators uh, is a feature in the book called What the Pros Say. The resume writers who participated in this project were selectively chosen and profiled for their experience, their professional credentials, and the quality of the work. I, I believe there were 14 of them, okay? Each was provided questionnaire, and the questionnaire covered a host of resume writing, topics, LinkedIn, cover letters, and, and so on. Their responses to those questions formed the basis for the feature, what the pros say. There are a complete total of 188 quotes from these resume writers contained in the book. These tips and insight allow the reader of the book to get inside the mind of a professional resume writer. No other resume book has ever provided such insight from so many qualified sources in one place. Now, in addition, the book contains somewhere in the neighborhood of about 80 sample resumes, there's about 40 sample cover letters, and there's some other, you know, job search written communications. They're all supplied by these credentialed and award-winning resume writers. Now, regarding the samples, the resume samples themselves, part five of the book contains the samples. And it's, in, in, it's unique because when I introduce that sample section, I tell the reader that these resume writers did not receive any compensation nothing, to participate in the book. They donated their work for their benefit. 
if the reader, you know, should choose to have their resume professionally written, I ask them to consider contacting one of these resume writers in the book that, that appeals most to them. And by the way, the resume writers, as you can imagine, love that and said that no other author of a resume book has ever taken that approach. I also gave each resume writer an introductory page prior to their samples where they could put the picture, the business contact, description of themselves, their services, and their business. And then they were given space to showcase their portfolio of work, you know, through the examples. And then and I pretty much just gave them free reign of what they wanted to put into their section with, you know, some limitations. And uh, the writers told me nobody's ever done that with them before either. Uh, I mean, that is, you know, provide them a platform to showcase their work and, and encourage contact. I also included in the book a reference that should the reader want to see the samples or any of the others, you know, in their original electronic form, that way they could see the colors, they could go to the motivatedjobsearch.com website. There's a, a resume tab, and you click it, and then it's, there's a password, and the password's in the book, okay? And then once you put in the password, you can see the, see the examples. Now, just on the LinkedIn section part, I'll be a, a much briefer. It's unique because I write at length about strategy and optimization. The instruction and insight provided is designed to teach the reader really how to leverage the programming and the algorithms of LinkedIn in a job search. And it goes far deeper than merely listing the descriptions and giving information that goes into each one of those sections of the profile. And I'm going to talk a lot more about that here a little bit later in the interview. Wow. That's, Brian, that's terrific information. And as, I, as you were saying this, I was thinking a lot, there are a lot of books out there, a lot of resources, they tell you how to do it, but there's no samples. Or sometimes you have to go to a sample for some other website or some other book. You're, you try to put everything in one place. So that's amazing. Now, having said that, I want to turn our discussion towards some practical advice, if you don't mind, regarding resumes and LinkedIn profiles. So in the, in the book, you open a discussion about what is a resume. I think this is, a resume is a timeless tool for a job seeker. So I wanted to ask, can you go into that topic for our listeners? What exactly is a resume according to yeah. you? Yeah. I go, let me give you a, a, a definition. This is the same one that I use in the book. It's pretty functional. Okay, here it is. A resume is a unique form of written communication. It's designed to quickly gain the attention of the hiring executive, inform them about you, sell you as a qualified candidate, and differentiate you from other job seekers. But one thing it is not, it is not your autobiography. You see, at least it's been my experience. You know, a lot of job seekers just put too much uh, historical information into a resume. And it's easy to have it happen. I mean, you start writing, you start remembering, and, then, and all of a sudden, before you know it, you've got a resume that's nothing more than a blizzard of words. Punchline on that is hiring executives simply will not read them. It's too much work. A resume is more of an appetizer than the main course, if you will. A resume must be informative, but it is really a marketing piece. And when you view it that way as a marketing piece, it's got to be easy on the eyes and have adequate white space. The job market's tough enough without creating a self-inflected, you know, inflicted obstacle 
by having a poorly formatted or a poorly written resume. Huh. I, I love that. A resume is more than a, more of an appetizer rather than the main course, and that's that's a great point. As most people know, a resume can be the first presentation, first formal presentation of a candidate's credentials, professional credentials. Your book also goes into that topic. What can a candidate do to create a resume that creates a positive first impression? Yeah, let me get into that. In order for a resume to provide that that first positive or positive first impression, I provide some easy tips in the book. Okay, the first is you got to have a resume that has a clean professional appearance. You got to develop a document with plain language and, and, it, and it's simple and easy to, to view. I mean, and, and when you get into that, you, you got to have good use of font size when you bold print or not, lines, headings, spacing, bullet points, and on. And it's got to look consistent throughout. I mean, you want a resume that has a wow factor. Your resume should have a title. This announce, announces the professional qualifications of what's to follow in, in the body of the resume. It should also have branding words that describe you and also appears towards the top of the resume. These words help present your value proposition to the employer. What are you? What are you good at? Your resume has got to have accurate contact information. Case in point, I had it happen just this last week. I looked at a resume. I wanted to call a candidate. The telephone number was wrong. So I had to go back through email and he goes, oh my gosh, you know. So always always review that. It can happen. So make sure that you have, you know, precise and, and, and contact information. In my opinion, you got to have a concise professional summary that appears, okay. It should highlight your background, give information to support your professional value proposition. Your achievements must stand out. That's what separates you from everybody else. And I guess maybe first and foremost, and maybe I should have mentioned this right out of the the shoot, your resume has got to be truthful. It's estimated, they say, that more than 80% of resumes contain, you know, some stretch of the truth. So just be honest with your background and your achievements. If an embellishment is discovered, you're going to lose your integrity and credibility, and it's going to be difficult to regain it. I mean, you could lose your job, but, you know, worst or best case is that an employer just doesn't trust you and it's going to be hard on your reputation. Wow. You you just mentioned that 80% of resumes contain some stretch of, uh, stretch of the truth. I mean, that's, that's a large number. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some of them have outright lies, like they have a master's degree and they do not. Okay. But some of them, it just, you know, instead of hitting quota every year for the last five years, well, you only hit it three out of the five. Okay. Okay. So that's a stretch or, you know, it, it just, it, the simple, the simple way it makes life easier is just be honest and truthful. Yeah. Thanks. For, thanks for clarifying that. That's actually interesting information. Now, Brian, your book also goes into and discusses, I mean, just about every aspect of a resume that I could think of, right? One of the unique strategies you, you mentioned is putting a brief recommendation on a resume. Can you go into more details on that particular piece? Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. When properly used, recommendations and testimonials and endorsements uh, on a resume can really be impactful. But due to a, a resume's limited space, the statement of recommendation must be short, relevant, 
and direct. I mean, consider putting a recommendation in quotes, maybe, maybe in italics for effect, or both, okay? Testimonials and endorsements from others uh, are powerful or more powerful than what you say about yourself. And, you know, some recommendations, you know, kind of can function as an accomplishment, okay? For the recommendation to be effective, the person providing it got to be identified by name and title. Just throwing some nice, cool words out there with not identifying who said it doesn't do you any good. So you got to get permission from that person prior to putting the recommendation on the resume. Hmm, interesting. That's an interesting approach, definitely. Uh, how, how about people who have employment gaps? They've <laughs> taken some time off, and I think nowadays it's common, more common than you uh, before. Can you share your insight on the topic about gaps? Yeah, no, I can. Look, employment gaps on a resume can create anxiety, okay? Fortunately, most employers uh, understand the difficulties of the job market, the negative employment dynamics of a particular industry, or they've experienced a gap in employment themselves. And result judgments regarding gaps have eased, and that's the good news. And there's a study out there by CareerBuilder uh, that indicated that 85% of uh, hiring executives and human resource professionals are more understanding of uh, employment gaps than they once were. Now, while there's an understanding that bad things can happen to good people, there are limits. The gap is reasonably short, and, and the candidate's been productive in some way using or enhancing skills. The gap's generally overlooked. But the longer the gap, the more negatively an employer views that gap. And that's where it can kind of get scary. You know, the studies indicate that once the uh, employment gap exceeds about six months, your job search can become precipitously more difficult. The unstated reasoning is if you've been unemployed for over six months, six months, nobody wants to hire you, especially if you've been actively looking. So how do you get around this potentially damaging judgment and statistic? And take, take heart here, there are ways. First, on your resume, you can list your dates of employment in years only, not month and date. It's honest, and it can cover a gap. However, I recommend wholeheartedly that you be forthright and honest about your actual dates of employment if you are asked. I would recommend using a showcase resume. This is a format, a resume format, that has a section towards the top of the resume that lists your top achievements and qualifications. The punchline there is you want to you want to emphasize your strongest selling points up front on the resume. Hopefully, that focuses the employer on your skills, your knowledge, your achievements, and not an employment gap. I've told people that becoming a consultant is an angle. It can function as employment, so to speak. I mean, you obviously have ability, so try to get some paid opportunities to advise and consult others, companies in your areas of expertise. The key is to show that you remained active and are using your skills. Volunteering can help too. Offer your services uh, to a worthy cause. And it may not be complicated work, but you're using your skills. Let me give you a couple of examples. It would be like an accounting doing bookkeeping for a nonprofit or a sales professional volunteering to do the fundraising. Okay. Obviously, in the gap, you can enhance your education. And that is one thing that I encourage people to do. When they're starting to, to experience a little bit longer gap in, in their job search, do something to continue your education. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean getting an MBA, although clearly that could be advantageous. 
but began working on a substantive industry designation. And I'm not talking about the one or two day seminars. I'm talking about the ones that, you know, there might be 10 exams that take you a year, but start, okay? But above all, and I, I, I'm hitting this again, don't sacrifice your integrity. Don't lie about the gap, be honest. Wow, that, that has been some great information there. Thank you, Brian. Now, we spoke about resume. You covered a lot of the important points. One of the things that book, the other thing the book also covers is LinkedIn profiles. And it is very, very timely. Uh, almost every employer recruiter goes and looks at someone's LinkedIn profile. And your book actually goes into this topic extensively. I'd like to have you talk about LinkedIn profile optimization. That word is thrown around a lot. So can you define what optimization is? How, how someone like a job seeker can get the most out of their LinkedIn profile, when, especially when doing a job search. Yeah, absolutely. So this is going to be a deep topic. There's a lot of components. Uh, so I'm going to ask you and everybody else uh, listening to kind of hang in here with me a little bit. I'm going to talk about the components uh, of an optimized LinkedIn profile. I'm going to give you some level of, the, of detail, but obviously the book tackles the topic deeply and with specific instructions. Okay. Here we go. Optimization. What is it? it? It's taking full advantage of how the LinkedIn algorithms and programming work to be discovered for what you want to be professionally known for or found for. It means the effective use of keywords, putting those keywords in the correct areas of your profile, proper use of repeating those keywords, profile completeness having an adequate number of connections, and making your profile compelling. All of these elements, when you pull them together, optimizes your LinkedIn profile for maximum effectiveness. See, an optimized LinkedIn profile makes you more discoverable and more desirable when an HR recruiter uses LinkedIn to find a professional with your skills and background. And you just mentioned this, 87% of HR recruiters use LinkedIn to identify and recruit candidates. So having an optimized LinkedIn profile literally could lead you to your next career opportunity. Okay, let's get into the nuts and bolts. I talked about keywords. Let's start there. As you probably know, a keyword or keywords are specific words and phrases that reflect your experience, abilities, and are frequently buzzwords or terms of art that are used in a candidate's particular industry. The profile or your profile must contain these keywords to get the attention and communicate that you're qualified for a particular position. Now, keywords run the gamut, okay? And I'll just list off of a bunch of areas from where keywords can come. It can be your position title, industries, professional designations, skills, knowledge, core competencies, industries, terms of art, and that includes abbreviations. Employer names that could be in the past or in the present. Licenses, certifications. I mean, it could be your, your location, city and state. Software and technologies you're familiar with. Education, that includes the schools and the degrees. All those can be where keywords are found. Now, where your keywords appear on your profile does matter. The algorithms and the programming look for keywords predominantly in the following fields, okay? Your headline. Summary section, your title, experience and employment description, and skills. Now, I will tell you, there are advanced platforms of LinkedIn that, that people can purchase 
that could expand this list. But these are the primary sections where the algorithms and the programming look to match keywords. Repeat your keywords throughout your profile without creating a profile that reads awkwardly. Now, let's go to completeness. The next component in what creates an optimized profile. The more complete your LinkedIn profile is, the higher it ranks compared to other similar profiles. Now, according to LinkedIn, at least the last I read, only 50.5% of all the people on LinkedIn have a 100% complete LinkedIn profile. Consequently, by having a complete profile, you can outrank a lot of competing profiles when somebody goes to find you. And, and having a complete profile is really important and it's really not all that hard, okay? A complete profile is composed of your, your location and industry, a current position, two past positions, your education, your skills, at least three, a profile, photo, and at least 50 connect, connections. And I'd also recommend a complete summary section as well. But LinkedIn and the programming displays results, you know, how you rank based on the following. Profile completeness, budding, the number of shared connections, connections by degree, and then groups in common. So profile completeness is the trump card with the LinkedIn algorithms when it comes to listing the profiles to compare to others that are similar. I mean, other factors really don't make a lot of as much impact if you're not complete. So have a complete profile. Let me move on. Let's talk about connections. The more connections you have, the better the probability that you will rank higher than other profiles. So your ranking is in part influenced by how closely connected you are to an HR recruiter or anybody else, frankly. The problem is, the difficult part is you have no idea who could be looking and how closely connected you are to them. So with that said, the best strategy to combat against or maybe take advantage of the connection factor is to increase the number of connections you have and join industry relevant groups. HR people are a member of LinkedIn groups. Try to get connected to as many professionally relevant people as possible, and these people are the ones that can hire you and help you. All right, final component of an optimized profile is the compelling part. A profile is compelling when it intellectually or emotionally moves the HR recruiter to contact you. There are several factors that can make a profile compelling. They include your knowledge and skills, accomplishments, endorsements, recommendations, the overall appearance and completeness of your profile, and anything else that makes you unique in the eyes of the recruiter. Now look, here is the bottom line about LinkedIn profiles. There are millions of well-qualified job seekers out there in the world, and, and they fail to appreciate the, the career-enhancing power of an optimized LinkedIn profile. Potentially life-changing career opportunities pass these people by through their failure to have a complete and professionally appearing LinkedIn profile. However, when you create, when your listeners create a complete, professional, compelling profile, it will open up career opportunities that others simply will not have, or for that matter, even 
know about. Now, that's pretty powerful stuff. Wow. Just if I can summarize what he just said about LinkedIn, I think you followed a trend here. I call it the three C's. Most importantly, complete your LinkedIn profile. And I would encourage the listeners to go back to that part a few moments back where he was just talking about what are some of the things you can do. Then once you have a completed profile, it's important to have the right type of connections. And of course, you have to have a compelling LinkedIn profile. And when you do all this, it's, it's much, much optimized than anybody else who's looking for the same position. So that's a great wrap up and summary there, uh, Brian. Thank you. My pleasure. So we covered a lot of ground here. And one, one thing I love about all the interviews you have, we have done together is you go into thorough details. You talk about the why it is important and how to do it. Amazing. So I, once again, thank you for joining us and sharing your wisdom. Before we wrap up, Brian, any, any last words? Candidates and job seekers are going into 2018 right now. If there is, on top of all the tips you have given, if there's one last word that you would like, or a word of encouragement you'd like to give job seekers, what would that be? Well, here's the good news right now. For the most part, the economy in the United States and around the world is getting better, okay? Employers are feeling more comfortable about hiring. So it is a reasonably good, if not just outright good time to think about your career, think about your job, go through an analysis of how do you feel about it. And if it's you know not as satisfying as you'd like it to be for any one of a number of reasons, it's reasonably safe out there to explore a new career. If you're unemployed, the job market is in pretty good shape. If you put in the effort and you conduct an effective job search, you should land and have some options because employers are looking for well-qualified candidates, at least today. Now, that's actually definitely great news for candidates. Uh, as you anybody can read the news, things are in a much better position and there's so many opportunities. And of course, we here at the Career Marriages Podcast have guests like Brian who come and share their ideas on how you can break out from the pack and how you can stand out and help you with your job search. So Brian, thank you very much for joining us. Once again, it was a pleasure. Yeah, I'm, I'm grateful to, for you to be a guest again. My pleasure. Thanks everyone for listening to yet another episode of the Career Medis Podcast. As always, I write the summary of the episode with link to Brian's book as well. It will be available in the form of a show note, which will go along with the episode. If you really found this episode useful, learn something, feel free to post a comment or a review. And if you find someone else in your network can benefit from this by listening to this, please share this. Until next time, thanks for joining. This is your host, Nisar Ahmed. Thank you. <music>